shocking news today is that King County is not going to expand the shelter. They're going to stop the shelter expansion. Well, that was Tanya Wu, one of the leaders in the Seattle-Chinatown international community. She was speaking at a rally over the weekend as people came together to acknowledge the fact that King County decided to back down on expanding what was going to be a a huge uh, homeless uh, shelter expansion near Seattle-Chinatown International District, and King County decided to back off. Welcome to Chino y Chicano. I'm Matt Chan, the Chino. I'm Enrique Cerna, the Chicano. Well, Matt, you were at that rally. You were one of the speakers there. Uh, Victory for the community. Yes, it was. It was an incredible victory. You know, when I reflected upon what had happened, it was 37 days between our first rally to draw the community's attention to what was going on until we had our victory rally. That's unheard of. That is unheard of. And really for this community, there are people that are active in the community, they're outspoken. But what really I think was a key was you brought out the elders to really get involved. It wasn't a rally about us being against the unhoused. It never was. What it was was just a symbol of what continuously happens to the Chinatown International Districts. I mean, starting from I-5, cutting through the middle of it putting in the navigation center, installing the trolley line that destroyed businesses. I mean, it goes on and on, even the latest one with the sound transit. Sure. Putting a station and destroying the lower half of the international district. We just had enough. It was interesting because I ran into Tanya Wu at Hinghe Park one evening. I was down there with my wife, and she said, did you hear about what was happening? That the King County plans to put in a mega shelter, a 500-bed shelter one block from Chinatown. I mean, if you stand in Wajimai's parking lot, you could throw a rock and hit it. And already there was so many homeless shelters in the district that it was just, in our neighborhood, it was just ridiculous. There are 20 shelters within walking distance from the Chinatown International District. So it's not about not in your backyard at all. It's about governmental malfeasance that continuously dumps on our community for the reason that's obvious, systemic racism. It was really about having a voice in the process and getting government officials to listen. Uh, King County Executive Doug Constantine, I think, pretty much acknowledged that in a statement that he released, saying, over the past six weeks, community members have shared their feedback about the current state of public safety and other concerns in the Chinatown International District surrounding neighborhoods. It's clear that building trust and resolving underlying concerns about the conditions in the community today will take considerable time before we can move forward with any added service capacity. So basically, he's acknowledging the fact that he'd messed with the trust. And the county had messed with the trust by not talking to the people and really having good communication uh, with them ahead of time and, and expecting them just to go along. No one wants a shelter or a homeless facility in their neighborhood. So what they got, they, what they got in the habit of doing was just opening it up without a lot of community engagement, pushing it through because of the COVID emergency declaration, where it bypassed a lot of the normal things you would have to do. And that's what they were trying to do here also. But again, it was how much can you dump on one neighborhood? How can you concentrate poverty? Central District has been gentrified to the point where African-Americans, Blacks, have, are not the majority there. And that's what's happening here as developers see our neighborhood, which was put there because of redlining. That's why it's unique in that there is Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, 
Vietnamese and black people have all occupied the neighborhood at one time or another. And we've maintained the identity because it was a place no one else wanted to be. But with real estate prices the way they are, with the transit hub there, the pressure to redevelop Chinatown is immense. And no one recognizes the history because they don't want to. Yeah, and it's a tremendous history if you look at it. Systemic racism has been a part of that and really was evident in this, I think, in the sense of, uh, again, it goes back to that communication. I think the point that you make that this is not about being against people that are homeless. It is about uh, giving and listening to a community that says, hey, we've been the ones that have had to take on these types of situations for a long time, and you need to listen to our voice. The community engagement anymore is sort of become institutionalized, right? They have their punch list of who they talk to, who they think is designated people in the community, and that's who they talk to. And this was even more egregious because Dow Constantine would not meet with the community. What he did was he would go to high net worth individuals in our community that donated to his campaign, have one-on-one meetings, and say to and I don't know what took place because no one ever knew. And then he would come back and say, I talked to the community. This is what they said. Well, you saw on the first rally that was in excess of 200 people, no one in that group knew what was going on. No one was ever contacted. That's the community. The seniors that were there that have to live in the neighborhood every day who are afraid to come out of their homes at night, that's who they should have been reaching out to. But they just didn't do it because I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a certain level of political cowardness going on here. What do you mean by that? Well, the fact is they don't want to be told no because they have in their mind what they need to get done. And granted, the facilities for the in-house are needed in this city. They're needed. No one is disputing that. But to concentrate it in a neighborhood that already has the lowest income levels, the worst air, the least amount of green space, and the most amount of crime... I mean, you heard Diaz, uh, Chief Diaz here saying that it has the highest homicide rate in Seattle. Why would you think it's a good idea to concentrate more poverty services in this area? And also with the area also facing uh, impact from sound transit, uh, talk of, you know, a, an additional uh, like rail station and what that might mean. That's still up in the air. Oh, it is. It definitely is. I mean, they're listening. Sound transit, to their credit, is doing a much better job than the city and county did. Uh, right now, as far as listening to the community. They got it. In fact, I mean, I think they look at this as a lesson and say, like, we don't want to be where the county and the city is right now on this mega shelter. We we were part of the decision not to build it, but a lot of things lined up for us also. I mean, one of the things that was happening was uh, the county was pushing through projects under the COVID emergency declaration. And once that was off the table, they had to hold the stand down because they were using $22 million of federal funds for this. So the time was running out. And because they had to go into the traditional permitting process, they wouldn't have made it. So that added to it. But what we did was laser focus the media and the people of Seattle on what was going on and the plight in, in the international district. I mean, when we had Naomi Ishisaka on the show, I, you know, and I asked the question, does the rest of the city care about Chinatown? And the answer was, no, nah, not really. But I think by having the press show up, by being able to tell our story, Seattle does care about the International District. And they should. There's no doubt about it. Were you surprised? I, I was shocked that uh, this 
happened the way it did in the end. So we were going into a meeting at one o'clock at Union Station with King County, and we fully expected to like do battle in this meeting. And they opened the meeting by repeatedly saying they acknowledge that this isn't a fight against the unhoused, that we are in congruency with that, and that the residents of the CID, as well as the unhoused, deserve better. And they kept repeating that. And then they told us we decided not to move forward with the expansion. And there was silence because everybody in the room said, you know, like, okay, did we just hear that right? And people, like about three or four people kept asking him, did you just say this? And they just agreed. And they said, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we were shocked. And people's phones started lighting up because they simultaneously, while we were in the meeting, they really did the press release. So people knew already and were asking us for a comment. I mean, this is monumental, right? No one does this. No one stops a project of this magnitude. Not when there's a governmental will to put this through, because I understand this would be a big win for the county executive right. if he was able to put this mega shelter in. But at what cost? At what cost to a marginalized community? That's the real question. So what is the relationship now with the CID and King County and specifically uh, Dow Constantine? Well, I mean, if you listen, talk to the community members, they say, you're not welcome here. Don't don't expect to come down during Chinese New Year's and take and have photo ops. You're not going to be welcome because he's shown his colors. In fact, even in the press release, there was a letter that came out the day before from him, not really taking any responsibility for what had happened. And he said that a lot of what the messaging was, it was political agents hijacking the message. And it's like, and that's one thing I really want to clear up with everybody. In the news, it's been, it's been made a partisan issue. They said that we received funds and support from the Republican Party. We did not. We never requested it. We never received funds. We never even engaged with them. What they were told was, if you want to show up and support us, be my guest because that's your right. And that's what they did. But somehow it's been painted that we were in cahoots with them, which is not true. This was purely grassroots. This is what modern activism should look like because we didn't cancel anyone because of ideology. I think one of the problems I'm seeing is most groups that want social change, they don't begin with the end goal. They begin with differences. And it, like the last podcast we, when I asked Estella Ortega of El Centro, how did the Gang of Four, they couldn't have agreed on everything, but how did they make it through? And she said they set their personal opinions aside and kept their eye on the end goal. And that's how they got it done. And that's exactly how we got this done. I mean, we had, you know, we had the support of the Seattle Police Guild. And, it, and, and when they asked about, can we support you? And I said, yes, but I don't want to hear anything about the politics because we do want the same goal, and that is public safety. And by putting the shelter in and expanding the lawlessness that would accompany it because the criminal element that feeds on the unhoused, we are in alignment with that. So really what it came down to was safety and the fact that decades and decades of abuse of our neighborhood has to stop. A couple of other players in this King County Council member, uh, Joe McDermott, as well as uh, City Council member Tammy Morales represents that area. Uh, there was some not great feelings in the CID toward them because uh, McDermott had proposed the legislation on this uh, homeless expansion. And then people wondering, where is Tammy Morales? Well, she was nowhere to be found because our initial engagement with her was she said I, she didn't know anything about this, which, which I find fascinating since it's a $66 million project going into her district. To be honest, we approached 
every representative of our area, our neighborhood. Uh, we reached out to state representatives. We reached out to national representatives. And they all listened to us, but no one stepped up. No one. Not one politician. It wasn't until Commissioner Toshiko Hasegawa of the Commission for Asian Pacific American Affairs heard about our story that she said, this is not right, because her organization represents all Asians in the Northwest. And they recognize that the International District, the Chinatown International District in Seattle, is the last Chinatown in the Northwest, and it needs to be preserved. And that, and that was the only organization that stepped up in the end. Once victory seemed sort of, you know, things started going our way, the messaging caught on, more people decided to come in. But to this day, Morales has never shown up for us. She's issued press releases, but has never met with us. McDermott met with us, but wasn't, wasn't willing to do anything we want. They, they weren't advocates for us. And when you won't advocate, uh, be an advocate for the least of us, right? The most in need. Who are, you, who are you working for? So moving ahead, now there's still the issue about sound transit, although they are listening. They have listened. They've come down. They've spent some time in, in the uh, CID uh, listening to the people there. But long term, what does this mean, I guess, for efforts in the CID to maintain that community? There was a real distinct difference between this this effort versus others. Most of the people use the elders in the CID as props. They say, these are the victims. You need to take care of them. Well, they're not. They're immigrants. And what it took for them to come to this country and settle in that community, I, I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine just lifting up and coming and moving to someplace else and making a go of it. So they're a tough group. And what we said was, you need to speak out. And they did. The first rally, you know, we, we wanted to march to the site, which was only like two blocks away. And I said, you know, if you want to stay here, it's fine. We're going to march. And every one of them got up and marched. They had walkers, they had canes, and they made the march. And then after that, every time we called for their help, they showed up and they testified. And the things they said were heartbreaking because we were able to translate them, translate what they were saying for people. And for the first time, they had an authentic voice, talked about being spat on, being assaulted, you know, the, the filth and the crime they deal with every day. But yet, to their credit, they understood. They had compassion for the in-house because they know that it's not those people. It's the criminal element. When people say, not in my backyard, how can they, how can they say that when nightly groups provide mutual aid for them? They exist in our community. Businesses feed them. They tolerate that what goes on because... You know, for a number of reasons. But one of the things is they do have some compassion. I mean, there's one a business that abuts the uh, I-5 overpass and where the largest encampment exists now called Boo's Beauty School. And there is a woman who owns it, or Kim Wynn, and her school provides haircuts for the unhoused. So how could you say that, that, that we are against them? Because most of the residents there are one assistance check, one paycheck away from being un unhoused also. They understand this isn't a group of privileged people in rich neighborhoods that really is NIMBY because they don't want to see their property values go down. This is about safety, and this is about also having a voice. And what's come to light is the degree that this community has been marginalized, stuff that people don't even imagine. A lot of the businesses and buildings cannot get insurance because of the conditions in there. So they're having to pay more and more money for substandard insurance just to keep their businesses open. Hirabayashi Place, which is 
a gem of a housing project, a building that was spearheaded by the interim. They can't get insurance to cover themselves. And they're doing a public service. The Louisa Hotel, family, working class, slotted income housing. So in other words, if you make above a certain amount and below a certain amount, you're able to get subsidized housing there. They can't get insurance. So it's just unbelievable. There's a lot of uh, education and information that is coming out now because of the, this grassroots effort. And hopefully down the road here, that will make a big change in getting government to realize that they've got to listen to the people. And listen to all people. I mean, this was not an easy coalition to hold together. We had people that, were, that voted for Trump. We had staunch Republicans. We had community activists. We had all these different groups. But they all came together for a moment because they knew this was right. It was a struggle to juggle all that, but it was worth it because we won. And I would say to other groups that have been act, being activists for years and years and didn't get results, it's coming together like the Gang of Four told us, right? All right, Matt. Well, I know that you feel good about this, but uh, the battle goes on. It's not over yet. Oh, it's never going to be over. Tanya Wu said uh, there's still work to be done. Yep, and there is. Until the streets of the CID are as safe as Laurelhurst and Madison Park and the residents can walk 24-7 down the street and feel safe, our mission isn't accomplished. All right, Matt. Thanks. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at Enrique Cerna and at Lofanland for me, Matt Chan. You can also email us at chinoichicano at gmail.com and check out our Chino Eat Chicano page on Facebook. Our theme music was composed and performed by Antonio Gomez. You can find the Chino Ichicano podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and other favorite podcast providers. Please take a listen, download, and subscribe. We are posting video versions of our podcast to YouTube. Go to search and type in Chino Ichicano to find our conversations. Take care of yourself. The pandemic is not over yet. Please get vaccinated. I'm Matt Chan, the Chino. I'm Enrique Cerna, the Chicano. We'll talk more later.